Mitch, how many times have you gotten your ass pounded on a baby ground? Alan, leave that in, would you please? I will. Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. There was an article in Zillow for Pride um, that basically said, I thought it was very interesting, it said that the LGBT community is at a disadvantage in almost every facet of the home buying and apartment renting process. So, you know, broad strokes here, LGBTQ plus home buyers are more likely to face a mortgage denial before getting approved, and they're more likely to make sacrifices on the home they buy. LGBTQ renters are more likely to have at least part of their deposits withheld. Um, They're more likely to pay application fees and experience higher rent increases. And many of the challenges faced by LGBTQ plus households in general are even more extreme for LGBTQ buyers and renters of color, of course. Just because of plain homophobia? So that's, uh, I was really interested by this because I I kind of wanted, I mean, I don't have obviously any more additional, any additional information about this than, you know, anyone who read the article, but I'm curious where this comes from. And, you know, it's, I guess, to kind of summarize my thoughts, like, is this just a reflection of the fact that I do think LGBTQ people skew towards living in bigger cities, which might be more inclined to have these things? Uh, Or, I mean, needless to say, I don't doubt that there's discrimination, but another way of putting it, like, I don't think I've I've met a landlord in my life. I've like, I've lived in Ann Arbor, New York, and Los Angeles. I only know rental companies I deal with the rental companies. And in most instances, I've only met like a representative like once for five minutes when I signed the lease. So like, where does this come from? Where does this discrimination See, I've had from? the complete opposite experience mm. in my apartments and home situation. And I like, I, I think, well, first off, I think there's two different, there's two big differences between people, LGBTQ people who live in smaller suburban or rural areas and people who live in big cities. And, and they face two different problems. In smaller, more suburban or rural areas, they face flat out discrimination, not liking gay people, not wanting gay people living there. Sure. And so now, of course, well, I don't know, does the Supreme Court case, that doesn't cover housing, does it? So like now, so. now they can get denied housing. Uh, they can still be denied housing um, and they can flat out deny them. Whereas in big cities, there often are protections for LGBTQ people. But that said, many renters in a lot of places, there is a legitimate concern over the type of people that will be brought into the building, the parties that will happen, the activities that will go on in the building and what that will do to the actual apartment complex that they live in in certain areas it's different in west hollywood they have different laws so there's lots of different things i'm sure when elliot moved in it was a big red flag for his land i mean needless to <laughs> say <laughs> elliot they is he, 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 he was limping the the day he yeah. signed the lease so they said something something is a, is a miss here <laughs> they had, if they only had, they knew if only they knew that i am literally like a you know 
a, a den mother where I'm like, I'll have my piano. I'll yeah, have, right. it'll be quiet all the time. Wait, I just want to say one other thing like, okay. so with, with my landlord or with my manager, not my landlord, because my landlord like you, Bren, is a company, but I have a building manager and I live in a smaller building. And my building manager is a Trump loving bros bro insane older dude who mm. literally like me and my neighbor who she's a black woman straight we are sort of the block of like minority people in this apartment complex on this upper floor and we often have to like they were going to charge me for putting in an air conditioner and marie fought it because it's a part of the comp because the windows are situated in a way that we can't control like they're built mm-hmm. differently they're older and yeah. and they don't do it to the straight couples that live in the building but they do it to the people who are minorities. They charge a, a fee for people. So there is a difference and we have to fight it to, to say, you're obviously pointing us out. So I think so, that happens a lot. Yeah, so I mean, just to be clear, so you, so he was trying to charge you money for putting the AC unit in and he has not charged other tenants in the building, mm-hmm. you know, presumably heterosexual um tenants in the building yeah that's i mean that's that's insane and do you think that's because he's sort of just a a bigot or i don't think he's a i don't know i don't think he's a bigot i don't i i I don't want to pass judgment on this person all i'm saying is that i do think that lgbtq and all minorities in general if you're a single woman if you're a person of color living in a building that has a mostly sort of either white straight sort of tenants that Mm -hmm. that you you are on guard a little bit for small microaggressions that come your way or small mm. weird things that happen that you're like, why do I have to struggle to do this? Or why is a friend of mine who's coming over and knocking on the door getting questioned, which has happened to us multiple times? And like, why is this person coming into our building? And so it there are those little moments where you do step back and question, is it because I'm gay or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? See, I would have thought, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I know I'm, I usually veer toward naive, but I, I'm, I would say I'm surprised because I thought I would figure that like in a scenario where it's about buying uh, um, property, you know, it feels like, it feels like money is, it's obviously the biggest contingent in buying a home and making the biggest offer and getting approved. But I guess it's, it does seem um, kind of archaic to imagine that you know, a forget about landlords, but like that homeowners would, you know, deny gay people um, the the chance to buy their home for the most money. I hear you. Because, you know, that I mean, that sucks. It's fucking blows. I, I think it could be more a reflection of the bank lending process, because uh, the the exact quote is they are uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ home buyers are more likely to face a mortgage denial. Mm-hmm. Um so that might not necessarily have to do with the owners of the house and more than again. That would have, but so. that would to me, I mean, that would scream illegal. A, ba- a bank institution saying, no, you're gay. We don't want to give you a mortgage. Well, but it's not though, because it's, I mean, banks often have a lot of discretions, to do in whatever they want. They can approve loans wherever they want. There's no sort of protection there. And it, it harkens back to a time that I think a lot of, 
African-Americans are very familiar with redlining and the, yeah. and what redlining has done for communities across this country in terms of they've put certain African-American groups in one area of the city intentionally. They've denied federal services, government services, bank loans, et cetera, bonds, bonds et cetera. And it, it's very similar to that in that like, we need to keep these, these people in one area and it can be gay people in West Hollywood or Hollywood or LA, whatever. And it can be, you know what I mean? And yeah. yeah. It was interesting because uh, the articles talked about how even down to a rental application fees, gay people are more inclined to pay to apply to rent an apartment. And that that's what sort of, that's when I was like, what could account for it? Like, does, yeah. does like a real estate agent just, just say, hey, I'll, I'll charge anyone who has frosted tips uh, if they want to like live in this building, you know, to, to apply, I, that that's is what a red I don't flag. understand. That is a red flag. Right. I will give them the credit for hey, that. Go, uh, go, go back to Michigan and you'll see them everywhere you go. Um, <laughs> but like, I mean, but it, you know, it's funny because I just left, I just moved last month. I moved to downtown Los Angeles as everyone knows. And I, I finally got my security deposit back and it, it was, it, I got like a, a third of it was taken and they obviously enumerated what what was taken and it was so irritating because it was the they they charged me for cleaning and i left that apartment spotless i spent the week cleaning it slowly just because i'm like i don't want to get charged a lot of money uh and they charge you for disinfecting that's what they did no that might be it um i do have a jizz wall in which i I just sort of (laughs) hung on the wall I might have replaced it, but it, 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 but it was, it was so irritating not to get my money back. I mean, I don't think anyone at that particular building would have ever known my sexual oh, orientation. I, but, um, you whenever know. I move into an apartment, I, I, and this just might be me, but I automatically assume I am not getting that security deposit back. It's just yeah. all, it's always been a reality for me. I've rarely in switching apartment when, when Michael and I moved into this apartment, we moved across the hall. So it wasn't right. that hard of a move, but they applied my security deposit, my full security deposit, which I was very surprised by, to this apartment security deposit. So oh, yeah. it was, it was, that was the one nice thing I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Who did that? The landlord? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, well, no, the man, I don't know. The manager yeah. told me about it, but I don't know who approved it. But regardless, like it was nice. So, like, but there are, I, I just blanketly assume I'm not going to get it for whatever reason. I assume I fucked up something, I broke something. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I just write, yeah. I write it off. I never think I'm going to see it again. Yeah. You guys ever felt, well, I guess, have you ever felt as if you were at the very least looked at oddly um, by a place you were trying to rent, even forget, not even from a landlord, but from uh, tenants in the building? Oh, yeah. I I mean, I personally, I don't think, I don't remember it ever. Uh, I can't remember a time in which I felt, but I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I don't pay attention. I mean, I'm sure there was someone at some point who would like roll their eyes, I guess, but I, I don't know. But maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that is my privilege. I am a little more straight acting, so maybe people don't yeah. assume I'm gay when they see me. No, I'm glad you said that because I do think that like some, a lot of times when I leave the apartment, like I am kind of sometimes on guard because I am more effeminate and I do, I, I you know, there there are, there are weird things that come out of this apartment sometimes, and 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 like it's so funny when you walk up to an apartment, there's like a there's a row of sequins that just sort of are in the hallway, the public hallway out there. Because whenever we leave, we just drag sequins with us everywhere. Something, so yeah. It's I mean we're weird people, and so yeah, there is a level of like 
never, I don't really feel it outside of the manager in this building that I live in. I don't really feel it. In fact, there's a funny story when we, when it was election day, 2016, and we mm. were voting. That and, was a fun day. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah. And the, my neighbor and I, we were going to vote because um, we just voted across the street. And, uh, you know, like I said, she's black, I'm a gay man, and we were leaving. And the building manager and his girlfriend, the girlfriend was the one, she, she was a sort of an immigrant woman, Filipino, a little bit older. And she came up to us and she was like, oh, so you're voting for Trump? Yeah, he's a good man. He's a good <laughs> man. He has a good heart. And, and oh. my neighbor and I just looked at each other and we were sort of shocked. And she looked at her and was like, I'm a black woman. And I was like, and I'm a gay Jew. We're not voting for Trump. That's not happening. And it was, it just, it made me laugh, but it also showed like the disconnect between the manager of this building and his girlfriend and us. Sure. What about you, Elliot? Have you ever felt discriminated against? Um, There was just this, in Brooklyn, I lived in um, like South Brooklyn in Ditmas Park for the last couple of years when I was there. And there would be this old guy every day. <laughs> With your three air conditioners, right? Right. Your three right. Air his, conditioners. Backup, his backup air conditioner, yeah. And there was an old guy in the front building, front of the building every day. He was like really old and small and looked kind of like um, Beverly Jordan or Leslie Jordan. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. But he, he Beverly he Jordan. Was, he, lo- <laughs> he looked like him, but he was like straight. He's a straight older man. And every day he would like stand outside and like, fake box oh okay and then, fun and then i think one and then a couple times you'd ask me about like my girlfriend and i'm like yeah i don't i don't have a girlfriend but i was like i'm not gonna like give attitude to this like <laughs> this no. little old boxer guy by being like i'm yeah. gay sir <laughs> right? like, and yeah. you're heteronormative you <laughs> jerk and then he died and then one day he disappeared and i was like oh, no oh my god yeah he died <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're laughing at him dying. That's not good. Odd ending. Not even joking. Our guest today is a instavist. That's a word I created. I created it, guys, and yeah, I'm very proud like, of it. Yeah. I literally was in the bathroom being like, how am I going to introduce him? Oh, Instagram activist. Instavist. I had it. I got really excited, and then I tried wow. to copyright it with the WGA. Brandon Kyle Goodman. Hi. Uh, I mean, hey, you're Brandon. more than an Instavist, obviously. <laughs> you're also an actor and a writer on Big Mouth. Like you have, you have legitimate credits, but I think you should use Instavist. I love it. We're starting off strong. Instavist. I love that. It's a that. good word. <laughs> It's good word, isn't it? It's good. good. Now you have um, gone viral in the good way. There's a bad way to go viral, and you went sure, in a good sure. way, which is great. <laughs> um, you went viral in the successful way with your your sort of Instagram live videos, sort of explaining, especially post the tragic death of George Floyd and the protest that that followed it. You you really had a lot of great explainers. You continue to have great explainers on Instagram. You struck a nerve. Oof. Did you did you anticipate striking the nerve? No, I mean I hope that I struck a nerve in my friends. I did not expect what ended up happening was that a lot of people uh, got triggered in a good way. Um, but my intention was really just to to talk to my friends in a really vulnerable way that I feel like I hadn't done before, uh, at least not as it pertains to race. So that was my intention. Yeah, it really struck a nerve with people. And I um, I shared it and, you know, you just kept getting it, kept seeing it being shared everywhere. Did you like, I mean, I, I don't want to, it's not my place to speak to it per se, but like I will say, and I wonder if you feel the same, that 
this this sort of re- moment of reckoning has mm. come and and i it, it's a you know it's a beautiful thing to see i guess my question is like as somebody who speaks so eloquently about it would you ever have predicted it are you surprised that it took this long or you know i guess what are your general thoughts about the timing of everything i mean i guess uh no i wouldn't have expected it because it was so funny i was just going through my phone deleting some stuff and i saw two years ago that i had saved uh the co- the co- cover of like a newspaper where another person had been killed um and it was like trayvon martin on the cover with uh with amadou diallo and the most recent person and i was like wow this is something that i have been obviously processing my entire life this is a, a photo from two years ago so there's a new world in which i thought suddenly everyone would be listening when it's something that i've watched my grandmother speak about i watched my mother speak about i've watched my self speak about and do shows about so there's no way to tell that this past month would be finally the the time that people would actually mm-hmm. be motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it it blows me away. Like we've had a lot of guests recently, and just a friend. I mean, a friend of all of ours and a past guest of this podcast, um, Marquita Robinson, has a hilarious way of sort of describing how white people are messaging her. Um, and, and, and I mean, she's a wonderful, beautiful black woman, writer, really successful, awesome woman, but her white friends particularly are like sending her wine right now being like, we hope you feel better. And, and, and I, and, and so I say that because I want to know, because you're met, you're, 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 you're right. Your videos are very vulnerable and you're very honest and forward and they are triggering for white people in great ways. So, I can't imagine what your DM must look like. What kind of message? Oh my God. Oh, I don't go in there anymore. (laughs) I don't. don't? Oh, I don't go in there anymore. If we don't follow each other, like, I think I saw your email, your message, Elliot, like, randomly. I I try not to go in there because it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Well, I'm not DMing you though. In a good way or in, in a good in a, and bad way or what? In, in a good and bad way, right? Like some of it is just people reposting, which is fine. Yeah. Some of it is people like trying to get more information or trying to like ask more questions, which is like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, yeah, it's not my I job. Have I have plants. I got right. eight plants that need to be watered. Mm. I can't do this with you right now. <laughs> and then some of it is like, you know, people expressing their triggeredness and like, you shouldn't say this. But it's like, oh, I can't go down this road. Oh, so you're getting, I'm not, I don't want to say haters. Hate you're getting, you're getting, you're getting blowback from people who are on the same side as you, but who sure. are not agreeing that you're politically correct enough in their eyes. Yes, yes. People who like, are, I, which is what I keep talking about, which is like defensiveness, where it's like people who are like, I want to do the work. And then you say, hey, you did that thing wrong. And they're like, what do you mean? No, I did not. Like, you know, no. you're a white person. You don't know what you're doing right now. Like, I'm black. I'm queer. I know what this is. Yeah. Don't, you know, you've just been given more information that you're not, no one's saying that you're a bad person, but you didn't do that thing correctly. And instead of the ego, let go of the ego and just... Just sit down. That's really where I think a lot of where a lot of white people are right now. They are like, and you're right. It is such a defensive. I mean, I think we all, if if we're self aware enough to the point of recognizing that there are moments in our past where we, as white people, were defensive in sort of because we're of course all liberal and you know. Hopefully not actively racist, and <laughs> and and even though we do grow up with racist tendencies and in a culture of privilege, where yeah, a lot of our actions were probably very racist, mm-hmm. and and to not be so defensive, I think the most important thing right now is to like 
just to acknowledge that we were once defensive and hopefully we're not going to be, but I can't, it, it blows me away that people are still stuck in that, that they're afraid to admit that they were once defensive and they shouldn't be. Well, I, I think that our society values being right and it values perfection, right? And so the moment you tell somebody they're not right, then like, what are they? You know, so we I, I think that we don't as a society enjoy being told that we have things to learn. We enjoy knowing everything. And so this is a moment where black people and, and indigenous people and POC are saying you don't know everything. In fact, you've been asleep for quite some time, my love. And so here's some new information. And so the response being, but, but, but it's like, no, just as Elliot said, just shut up. With love, I say, just quietly, just, just sit down, just sit down, <laughs> like absorb the new information, apologize for whatever your, your behaviors were, and then do better. Like, you know, what's the, what's the action now? How can I be better? How can I do better? As opposed to wasting energy fighting a black person in this moment is just blows my mind. I'm like, what? I, I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to understand. They're fighting you because the, the way in which you express yourself wasn't like good enough. Good enough like, for them. Like it, was, it wasn't enough progressive enough. Is that is is it? They're picking up on things there, that, that they said. Well, you you know. Sorry. There are ver- there are various examples. So like one was I put out a video that was basically uh, discerning between effective ally and a good ally, and in that video, which I don't know my fourth or fifth video, I was had a little more what I would say passion. But we've been conditioned to see when a black person is in passion that it's usually anger or hostility. Right. And so a person became defensive and said that, like, my tone uh, would hinder other people from wanting to be effective allies. So right there, you have me being impassioned about my life, but being told that my tone is incorrect. Right. 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 Yeah. Stuff like that, right? Or like I just I just posted like a couple minutes ago that people should use Google. That like stop asking. Oh, the I basics. love that. Yeah, I yeah. love those too. Yeah. But you should like get on your Google. And someone was like, Well, I'm a father and I teach my kids to research critically and to ask people. And it's like, no, we're not talking about we're not talking no. about how deep the ocean is. <laughs> we're talking about like yeah. my identity and black people's identity and you can Google certain things Go before for it. you approach with your questions. So stuff like that. It kind of reminds me recently of the whole, um, when Hulu took down the episode of uh, Golden oh, Girls. Oh, the Golden Girls, yeah. With, uh, the, with the, the Blackface episode. And, you know, I, as Ellie and I are huge Golden Girls fans, we both have Golden Girls tattoos. We're yes. Golden Girls freaks. My husband said, loves Golden Girls very mm, much. Props. <laughs> that said, I, I was so blown away, because to me, I thought, well, sure, I have my opinion on if it should be taken down or not or whatever, but I'm not a part of this conversation because I have not had the legacy of emotional being emotionally triggered by images of blackface, and my reaction sure. to it is very different. So my opinion on this is irrelevant, and yes. we should lift up the voices of black people, pro and con, whatever they think, lift up voices and share that instead of giving my opinion on whether it should have been removed or not. It's irrelevant. And that really woke me up to that sort of white defensiveness in a yes. way. Yes. Yeah. And can I say something about the Golden Girls removal? And uh, I, what I would like to impress upon people is that like the removals of episodes mm-hmm. or like the hiring of like a person is really, it's great. It's wonderful, but it's not the action, right? Like, yeah. Right. Rihanna Taylor's killers are still free. Like there are other things that are, it's not policy. More, 
it's not policy. It's like there are other things that are much more important. And I think that sometimes we we get distracted yeah. by Kanye West running for president. We right. get distracted. Oh, we're going to edit that out, by the way. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. He should be president. Um, and then, you know, we get distracted by like, which, what we should remove this episode or what did that episode say? And it's like, that's not like, yes. It's noise. Fine. It's all noise. It's yeah. noise. What is, what is actually going to protect black lives? What is going to amplify and elevate? What is going to support? It's like, I don't feel any more safe in this country now that that Golden Girls episode is gone. <laughs> Right, right. right. So it's, it's such a reflection of, of the internet era, and and look, you know, uh, I, I just I like I'm obvious, you know, I'm a person of privilege. I, I I've, of course, and so these these, you know, I don't feel you know impressed, oppressed, or endangered. But it's like, I, yeah, I sometimes when I see you know the the rage build towards. An episode, like an episode of the Golden Girls, while I I could understand certain people, you know, I, people having strong feelings. I'm just like, we're it's like we're spending two days. A lot of people are spending two, three days a week of their lives having really contentious arguments about this. And I'm like, I just don't know if this, this is the fish. fish I would fry right now if, if yeah. I was trying to accomplish, yes. uh, you know, yeah. a change, change it's for not. the betterment of society. But it is also indicative <clears throat> of what we were talking about before, about how this idea of like just being outraged and to understand why maybe you're being, why you feel you need to comment on this post. Like what is triggering you yes. that makes you want to say this and perhaps is it a legacy of your own privilege? Yes. It, and, mm-hmm. and, that, and that is, I think, a good question to ask before you comment about the Golden Girls episode. Absolutely. There's yeah. a, there's a, there's a, I think that, and this I feel like is ingrained in whiteness, and it's also ingrained in men, where there's a need to just respond immediately. Mm-hmm. And there's no willingness to take a pause and kind of, really emotionally reflect on what you're about to say before you say it and ask yourself, like, does it add value? Is this the medium for me to do this? Like, maybe you have those feelings, but maybe it's something to like talk, call like one of your friends up and be like, Hey, I have this feeling. Am I crazy? Are you, what's up? As opposed to putting it in such a public space where it could potentially be harmful. You know, people are saying, you know, you know, people are writing like all lives matter or whatever. It's like, that is, potentially harmful to a young person who sees that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm grown. I can handle it. I know you're full of shit, so fuck yourself. But not everybody is me or is somebody like me. They're, so I think that that pause is so important. Uh, yeah. and, it's, and it's we don't value that enough in our society. It, it's so phenomenal. I just, I couldn't agree more. And I just had the thought where, you know, J.K. Rowling's is back in the news uh, mm-hmm. about some controversial things she said about the trans community. And, and it's like, I, I, I guess I'm a believer. I can't, I, you know, I can't punish someone for having thoughts. Right. Um, I can, but I know you can. <laughs> I, I, with that said, I literally refuse to talk to anyone who voted for Trump, but regardless, um, but it's like all you have, all she has to do to avoid the controversy Say nothing. is not tweet anything. That's right. That's all she has to do. That's all anyone has to do yeah. is, is just don't tweet 
Amen. shitty things about groups of people. Even if you think the culture we've gone to crazy with cancel culture and all these things, and we mm-hmm. can have a debate about yeah. whatever, but all you have to do to avoid it is not say shitty things. And it keeps yes. happening. <laughs> yes. It keeps happening. I, mean, I am happy to say that I can now freely say that I never liked Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm happy that I can now, because I used to say it and people were like, what? I no. fucking How dare you. Don't hey, tell Potter. H. Allen. Do not tell H. Allen and do not tell H. Allen's boyfriend. Oh my God, my boyfriend so is obsessed, obsessed with Harry Potter. I can't uh, well, I, oh. you know, from the beginning, I was like, what's this? But, but the point being, yes, there needs to be pause. Like, yeah. she has power in her, at her fingertips, there are power. And like, there's a choice being made to send this thing out that is so violent. And yeah. there's no, that's unacceptable. Like, there's no excuse to be sending out information that is violent. Yeah. And it should be taken down on Twitter. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not, it's, she's doing it to incite sort of a, not a conversation, but anger. And it's yes. like, and that's what leads to violence. Yes. Um, but uh, on that, and sort of speaking of sort of celebrities speaking out, there is this sort of concept now that we, as this podcast are very familiar with, that sort of performative activism, the vanity activism that oh, yeah. people, people will often, uh, celebrities, but even just non-celebrities, like, you know, instigates that think they're famous because they have a, they have a point K in their followers. Um, and, and, and they, they're, they're posting these things about, you know, saying Black Lives Matter, which is wonderful, but then they're also like showing their butts or something and, or, <laughs> or not even that, not even in a vanity sense, but just performative activism. Well, they're say one thing and then clearly they're doing something else or their Instagram feed shows that they have no diversity in their lives whatsoever. Sure. Um, What would you say to that? And how can we combat, should we just call those people out all the time? I mean, I wouldn't like, I always say like for the videos that I make, like I'm not interested in making a racist, not racist. I don't have that energy. That's not my space. There are experts for that. That's not my responsibility. Not your job. Yeah. There are experts for that. And even like, you know, I've, I've seen like, you know, when people talk about approaching the KKK and it's like, you can't just approach right. the KKK because they use media for their benefit. So like, again, I have no right. interest in, in the performance of allyship or the alt-right or anything like that. Um, I think that what's more important is us making the individual choice to show up. Mm-hmm. So you can't really worry about the group you have to kind of worry about how are you showing up and who are you surrounding yourself with and if that person on your feet is acting crazy and if they're your best friend then fine engage them in a conversation but if not unfollow like oh i don't we don't have like there are plenty of people who are willing and who are doing work and who are working their asses off to, to make a change. And so I would say, fill your feed with those people, get informed and educated with those people. And the ones who are fake, spot them, unfollow them, block them and keep it moving. It's probably a Russian bot anyway. You know, my hometown famously, my hometown is a very liberal college town, Ann Arbor, Michigan, everyone, not trying to brag. Mm-hmm. And the KKK would protest in Ann Arbor every year for years. Humble brag, and, humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> and there were uh, always counter protests and there were, um, there was even like a fight one year. There was a very kind of famous, powerful picture of a, a black woman who shielded a KKK protest, a KKK member from the angry mob that was trying to beat the KKK member. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. But regardless, uh, I rem- remember reading that because I knew once I hit like high school, I was like the KKK doesn't come anymore. And I, I read online that that uh, once they kind of 
decided that the best response to the KKK coming was not showing up was not was which which is to say the KKK would have a rally but people wouldn't organize counter rallies mm. yeah, and so the KKK attention. stopped showing up ah. because they just didn't have the attention yes and unfortunately we live in an era where that's never going to happen on social media. Sure. Um, there's always going to be, you know, righteous indignation regardless of, you know, from some, you know, facet of the internet that will, that will object to something that someone wrote. But I, 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 I've always agreed that like, Hey, I, if it's really that bad, just ignore it. And if the person, yeah. you know, doesn't get any tweets or likes or follows from it, you know, they'll eventually shut the fuck up. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a matter of knowing which what do you need to engage and what do you not need to engage. And I think right, like you need to engage politicians. They are actually in yes. a position of power to, of power to make something absolutely absolutely harmful and violent against mm-hmm. different communities. Whereas like a fucking you know dude who wants to speak at a rally, not obviously not Trump, but like you know a dude who wants to speak at a small rally in a hood, you're like okay, go fuck yourself. But like, right. is that where my energy should be? Like working right. on him, or should I be focusing on the people who are who are signing legislation? Right. Um, you know, and I think that that's I think that's how we have to. Yeah, don't go don't go to the KKK rally. Go to the mall, get a pretzel, sign the Greenpeace petition from the yes. KKK by Diller. You know what I mean? Like, yes. do you Donate uh, petitions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My favorite uh, thing to come out of all this, honestly, is like seeing you know f- my feed and trying to do trying to do the same thing of like just flooding social media with the posts and reposts that have numbers to call places to email the link yeah. tree stuff that yes. to me is like i think for me personally that is what feels like a the big change the big revolution is that it's not just about um as brent was saying performative activism even if it is earnest activism mm-hmm. now actually being like here are the tools they're right here click yes. my link click my bio and you have a link to do you can do this 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 and this and i think it's so nice to see that people finally truly are like you know what that is i'm gonna mm. do this like, i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do yeah. that and i think that's I'm that's the, the 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 change that i think is actually inspiring and necessary and and i think people are taking a hold of it i was talking to another uh we're, we're becoming friends uh and she's an artist who uh also in this like last four weeks posted a couple of things and then had you know a, a massive spike and she was like i'm in massive spike in followers and she was like i just feel like am i doing enough am i not doing enough i just feel like i'm kind of caught in in feeling like i'm not doing enough uh which as a, you know, to black people and to white people, it's a different conversation. But my point to her, which I think still applies in the grand scheme of things, is we're in this together as kumbaya as that sounds. So you do everything that you can today, mm-hmm. but it's not just you, right? It's not just one person attacking this. There is a community of us attacking this. So you called, he emailed, she went to the protest. Yep. Those three things together mean something. I know. So, yeah, I, I felt so guilty during the protest because I, like, uh, you know, I have a past medical situation and, like, the whole idea of going outside in a big group of people was terrifying. To of me. course. And so I couldn't do it. So I had to be engaged in other ways that I knew I could be engaged. But that said, like, even online, there is a sense of there's a lot you can do online, sure, and in your life. But, like, when it comes to, I'm, and I'm always really aware, when it comes to sort of the everyday life of people in the workplace, at Starbucks, in the things that we do every single day in our lives, there are moments where 
something racist happen, happens or something ignorant happens. And mm-hmm. you can't necessarily, I mean, you can, but there's a fear of necessarily confronting a boss or someone who has power over you in an employment situation who, like, I remember I was on a show once where they really wanted to make this ridiculous gay joke. And I was like legit offended by it, but I was so low on the totem pole. There was no Uh, way I could get anywhere with that. And I'm sure the same, I wanted to know if that has ever happened with like you in your writing situations, either a big mouth or elsewhere or in acting, but also just in general in like the workplace, I feel like so many people have that, and they can't, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, I will say with Big Mouth specifically, it, it, I haven't had that experience because they've, they are, they run their room from what I understand, because it's my only room kind of differently than some other traditional rooms, which is that we all have a say and we all, they're very inclusive and they kind of want to hear, doesn't matter what your rank is. But yes, I have been in situations where I'm on screen and you're like, this joke doesn't make sense or this, whatever. And you do, you're you're like, you're putting your job on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the kind of the smallest part of this, but it's still very big to me is, uh, you know, whenever I need a barber, I specifically need a barber to cut my hair, uh, which is a very black thing of it, which, you know, but every time I need it, it's like such a yeah. big deal. And it's really scary to push for it because I'm watching my white colleagues spend five hours in hair and makeup and there's no issue. There's no problem. But when I need a barber, suddenly there's a pushback. If I say this doesn't match my skin tone, suddenly I'm being difficult. And so it's really scary when you're not you know, a celebrity to speak up about those things and that the, the system isn't set up um, for it to play out in our favor when that happens, that you should listen to the person of color when they say they need a different hairstylist. You should listen to your queer actor when they say this joke is offensive. You should want that feedback mm-hmm. and you should take that feedback, but it's the power play. It's an, it's an ego play. It's, it's a, again, that need to be right and so if you come in and say that joke is offensive, now somebody has to be wrong. And yeah. instead of taking that as a, a learning moment, as a moment of growth and expansion, they're going to take that as, oh, fuck you and fire you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. of course it's terrifying. Oh, that's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Because you don't want to, because it's like, if you need a barber, which of course it shouldn't, it, like, in reality, it shouldn't be a thing. It should be like, okay. Yes. In a, in a perfect <laughs> yes. world, you shouldn't have to be like, you shouldn't have to even pause and yeah. say, I need a, like, I need a barber. It's like, this should, this should just be, you know, this is, this is how it, you know, it should In a be. perfect world, they cast me and they know we need a they barber. They know, of course. <laughs> or, or, or even they train the people who are in hair and makeup Absolutely. to do that. I mean, Absolutely. To, there's, there are things like even in makeup school or art school or whatever, like mm. where you train these people how to paint different shades of skin and to do different hair. and to, But that's the system, right? And that, that, I mean, HMU is such a small, hair and makeup is such a small part of the massive system, but that is a system where like my barber, barber has to go through a bunch of hoops to be allowed on set yeah but and he knows how to cut and he many knew, he knew he had of hair, whereas oftentimes and i think you'll hear this from any black actor or, or anyone with a with my texture of hair where it's like 
those artists that we get are not, they are not responsible for knowing how to deal with our hair, which is why you <laughs> often hear of black women being like, I just need to wear a wig or, or I came in with my hair already washed. I come in with my hair already cut because they, for whatever reason, the system doesn't require their training to also like include us. Yeah. And even if they do include us in like the training, they don't have to practice on it. Mm-hmm. So then you get there and they don't know how to do it. Also, barbers smell the best. They are after Ooh, shave. Oh, they do, yes. Oh, I mean, just, the best. it's just, I feel like I'm just being hugged by the aftershave. Yes. <laughs> Wait, uh, before you go, I just have one question and it's kind of gossipy. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> so today, as of today, the three of us were texting about, I don't know if you saw it, that guy in New York who had Corona and went to Fire Island. Fire Island. Oh, with I Corona, watched. and it's a whole thing online. And the f- he knew he had it, and then he, he kind of quarantined for eight days, eight and days, and then he then, <laughs> then he got not. caught, and he was like, he wasn't. He was like, there's a video of him like, quote unquote, fighting back at the trolls, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, I watched and that video. Yes. <laughs> what do you? I mean, I mean, I need. To, uh, I was. It was. It made me nuts, and yeah. I had to stop myself from spinning out. And the guys often helped me from spinning out but does that make you as crazy as it makes me oh yes i mean because you're literally watching privilege at work you're literally Mm. watching somebody who has privilege knows they have privilege will deny that they have privilege but they are using their privilege right it's like the fact that you think that you just had to quarantine for eight days the fact that you were like it's fine like there's no i i called it today this uh the protagonist syndrome, which there are other definitions, but to me, it's when you think that the world and your whiteness. Oh my God. It's called, have you, I love the word solipsism. Do you guys know that word? No, I don't know that word. Tell me. Oh really? Oh my God. It's my favorite word. Solipsistic. Camille Polly loves that word. Where it's not just you think you're like the most, not, it's not, not just where you um, are thinking about yourself the most. Solipsism is when you truly do believe that the world revolves around you enough that you can say names, places, yeah. nouns, references, and the world should know. And I've, I've had friends oh like that God. where I don't understand. I have understand. so many friends like that. Yeah, <laughs> and, not and so this, many, but I have friends like that. And this guy, this guy embodied mm. that to a T because I was yes. laughing to my boyfriend about it. When he goes in his video, he's like screaming about the trolls who are, you know, t- yeah. t- like berating <laughs> him online. And he goes, everyone knows that I had Corona. And then he starts talking and it's like, it's not even just this guy though i mean like this weekend in particular we're recording this over the fourth of july weekend listeners and this weekend in particular and sure there are lots of non-gay people but i'm gonna generalize with gay people gay people have some people have this obsessive need to party on the july 4th week i mean there's one cast member of queer eye that i won't say his name but the, <laughs> oh, listeners, no. know, the listeners know how much i hate him and oh, no. and and he's on he's on Say his name now. No, no, I don't. It's not. Why are you not saying his name now? You've talked about like being on a boat on Fourth of July weekend and kissing a bunch of other gay, muscled gay men, and like having this thing, or just like the Fire Island people in general. The thousands of gays in Fire Island are all across the country who are partying this weekend, and it's like, why are you doing this? What is the arrogance behind it? The hypocrisy behind it? Well, you see it, and you understand why it's taken this long for people to wake up to the racial injustice. Yes, that's so true. You're just 
there, the being in your own world and only worried about yourself is so ingrained in the DNA of so many people yeah. that they're willing to just say, fuck the news, fuck a mask. I'm going to the beach because it's July 4th. And you're like, okay, honey. I can't. I can't. Yeah. And for the record, I don't want to say his name because I feel like I'm just like a broken record by hating him so much. But I'll tell you when we get off the off Okay, the thing, yeah, man. I want to know. I want that too. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, thank you so much for being here. Oh, um, thank you. Where can listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at Brandon K. Good or Twitter, same handle, or YouTube uh, backslash Brandon Kyle Goodman. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much What a blast. Yeah. Oh, you guys are the best. And another thing. So there was a, tr- uh, a, a study out uh, recently. Um, mm. It was done in the UK, uh, mm. but still through Tinder. With mm. a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so they found that in this study using Tinder. And that- now, top of the morning. Look, guys, that's my SNL edition right there. Wow. So, wow. I've lost three stones. <laughs> three right, sorry, stones Elliot. down. All right, go ahead, Elliot. Um, okay, the overwhelming majority of Generation Z transgender people remain closeted and have only come out online in this Tinder study. And they found that um, just 13, again, they've come out, but only online, not in yeah. life. So they found that 13% of them. Um, of the users say they they come out to family and friends, but again, 78% said that they had been open about their identity online, just not in their real lives. Mm. Um, and I guess I was, I mean, I, I would say I was a little surprised. I thought, um, you know, obviously coming out as trans is a big a big step for anybody, you know, anybody um, living living in the queer existence. It, it does seem mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a much harder step these days because trans people are so um, targeted. By um, J.K. With, Rowling, yes. By J.K. Yeah. Rowling, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, I just, uh, I will say I was surprised because I feel like maybe it's my bubble, maybe it's my social media feed, but trans pride and the trans flag and the, and the it feels like a, 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 a sort of um, express, express lane acceptance of trans people in the last couple of years, right. you know, mm-hmm. and, and maybe, I guess I'm, I'm um, sort of, no, I don't. I, I mean, delusion I, I, about well, it or something. obviously, I can't speak for the trans community, of course. But I think, from an outsider's perspective, I've—I'm not saying this is necessarily the reality, but I've sort of felt the same way. Uh, which is, which is, it's—it seems like. I mean, like there was that study we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the Supreme Court uh, sided with LGBTQ people yeah. in their in their decision. The New, the New York Times had it had a poll as to whether. Uh, Americans felt that uh, gay people should be fired from their jobs for being gay and if trans people should be fired from their jobs for being trans. And the numbers were a little less for trans, uh, but it was almost within a standard deviation. I think it was three or four points less, um, which is to say an overwhelming majority of, of Americans believe that you know, LGBT people should not be fired from their jobs just for being who they are. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, sorry, I, mean, go ahead, I, I well, first off, I want to say trigger warning for anyone listening, because the last time we talked about Gen Z, Gen X, Gen anything, yeah, right. we had a visceral re- backlash people from listeners <laughs> because people oh. are obsessed with whatever Gen category they live in. Right. And if that's important to you, you need to get a hobby. But, mm-hmm. um, I, but thank I, you for listening. But yeah, thank you. Thank for, li- you. Look Thanks at me. for listening. Look Download at me twice. Download twice. <laughs> um, that said, uh, I, 
one of the things that I think, I mean, I think, I think polls are very important, of course. And yes, you're right, Brent, that like the vast majority of people are supporting LGBTQ people, but also trans people in the workplace. And I, that's true. I don't necessarily think it's felt yet. There's one thing mm. for a poll to say something, and there's another thing for a trans woman to be your nurse and to, and to have that. And, and, and it's, I'm saying that trans woman should be your nurse. Yes. But I'm saying that the general American in the middle of Illinois having a, tra- a, a trans nurse that they're able to clock, if you will, as trans. Mm. I don't know where the country is. And I think that that part of it, that sort of the feeling in the street about sort of trans identity and trans acceptance is perhaps a bit more complicated for trans Americans. And I think that, which is is why there's such a movement right now, especially with the protests going on around the country that, you know, we need to acknowledge the black trans murders that are happening, especially to trans women around this country. And they often are instigated by, a hatred or straight, an straight yeah it feels like exactly. a straight hatred yeah yeah and so yeah no i was gonna say yeah, it's 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 um you know that's suffice you know that that is certainly the first thing that i think of is like we constantly feel like there's this underreporting of trans women in particular who get murdered it's 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 an epidemic i think it's like yeah. an epi- epi- epidemic it's, they, they either go unreported or they go misreported which is a big yeah. big big factor or, or they're yeah misreported or they use their dead name or something and it's yes. just it's just yeah. tr- it's just tragic in every way so i guess in that sense like i can understand why in particular you know these younger trans people decide coming out online is much easier than coming out in real life but i also think that was true for us well yeah I mean, absolutely i mean i sure I, I was going to ask you guys, like, did, did you, did you feel like, did you do that? Did you, I mean, we had a different experience digitally, but did you feel like you could pursue being gay or understand your gay identity online before you came out? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm far, far younger than you guys. So <laughs> I did have a very different digital experience, but when I was on Vine, I, no, um, I, I, no, I did. I did. I really felt like I could, and I still feel like that in a lot of ways. I mean, for years and years, I think it's only been in just the past couple of years where I felt like I've had a disconnect with sort of like online, yeah, online presence. But, but for, from the late nineties on AOL until, mm. you know, 2015, I felt like I was very defined online. I had a freedom online. There was a freedom to be myself in a way that I don't, couldn't always be in my everyday life in a safe way, you know? And, and, and yeah, I, I did have that experience. For me, that freedom came from the magazine Racket Borders. Everyone, I think <laughs> right. we talked about this. XY. Uh, XY, I would buy XY magazine. I would, I would buy Playgirl magazine. I would have the store, the cashier gift wrap it because I was, Kept always pretending that it, it wasn't me. This is for I, I a friend. I'm sixteen. For a friend. For a friend. I, yeah, I remember. It's a you gag know, gift. <laughs> coming out to family and friends, and then and then like you know going on to again xy.com was like my big outlet for like the first. But did you couple do it years. before you came out? I don't think I did. Did no. you do anything online that was gay before you came you out? Do, even like, to explore? No, because remember, I would I would like in college. I would always go to the LGBT resource center, like assuming I'd be like, oh, there's good. There's like, you know, you'd, you'd read in like, the, yeah, like the freshman pamphlet. There'd be like, there's a, there's a reading corner at the LGBT, at the LGBT right. resource center. You're like, I'm going to meet my partner. And I would go in like a suit or something. No, I would like I go just, with like a oh nice shirt on, on the middle of a, like after class on Tuesday. I thinking, just, this is where I'm going to meet my man. Go ahead. Distinctly remember 
AOL chat rooms and AOL groups and and message boards that I would search and and look for like gay things on gay chat. I feel crazy because I never did that. And like I had the access, but I I never did. I never did chat rooms. I never, I remember like as I came out, Somebody was like, "You should go to like gay.com. There's stuff on gay.com. <laughs> yes. And, but the only the only like search for anything gay before I actually came out at like 19 or so really was I looked for porn at on penis.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, re- I remember doing this. This I remember. I would have friends, and I think I was very conscious about like you know search history and shit. So I would go to friends' houses. And, no. and I would do that joke where I'd be like, wouldn't it be funny if we looked up like uh, pictures of boners uh, or like, let's go to like some, you know, you know, circa 1996 friend. <laughs> Why is it the worst? But you would just kind of go to some circa 1996 thing and be like, how funny would it be if we looked at, the, at these no. pictures? Get uh, out of here. Wait, so, th- so, so that, you, like, so you it wouldn't like, be on friends? my computer or it'd be, it would be like, it was like my joke. I remember this was, this was a big one. <laughs> when I would like uh, go to like um, a friend who lived in an, in another school district or like a cousin or something, I would always flip through their yearbook and whoever I was most attracted to, I would like have a joke obsession with that person. And I'd be like, Oh, who's this? Like the hottest guy in her class or this per, or, you know, my friend's class. And they'd be like, Oh, that's, that's the, you know, the jock. And I'm like, Oh, he's dreamy. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Wow. And then, and then, I, but then I would like proceed to have like, you know, it would be like the inside joke for the weekend or for, you know, wait, wait, wait. Us, it would be would like, you, would you erase the browser history before you left? Like, would you wait for them to see how, like, was that the no, joke? No, no, it was, I think maybe it was like, I was doing it with another person. So it didn't feel as like intimate or personal. Yeah. It was like, I was kind of goofing myself into believing, but you weren't it was looking a joke, even though I wanted to see. What? You weren't looking up the person in the yearbook. You were just like sort of addressing the idea that he was attractive in a funny, quote, funny way. Yeah. So, you know, like when you go to your cousin's house and you're kind of just maybe sifting through their yearbook just to kind of see what life is like in Ithaca, New York. And then you would see someone's picture and be like, oh, who's that? But wait, separately from that, did that mean that you would go to friends' houses and look up porn as a joke? Yes. Wow. That's but, really but smart. It was, but it was done. It was coached in a way that it was like a joke between us. Of course. Yeah. So it was. I didn't have to have that that reconciliation of I want to see this porn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was like this is a this is my funny bit. <laughs> would 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 a friend ever be like, well, now let's look up girls? I think I'm sure. I would yeah, imagine. Like, I'll be in the like, bathroom. I'm going to be in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. See, I remember, I, I remember uh, my one friend Andrew. My big joke was I would always change his desktop, you know, the picture on his desktop <laughs> to pictures of Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who I had a <laughs> monster crush on. Oh and my God. obviously that's, that's pretty innocuous. But then at one point, at one point his mom was like, would you stop putting pictures of JTT on this oh on our com- family uh, computer? Wait, I have I, to ask, do you, did you guys ever use how, how far or sorry, did you, if you, obviously Brent, you didn't do this, but Alan, did you, try to hook up with guys through chat rooms before you came out in life? Oh, oh. Um, 
I mean, well, first off, I have to say to Brent, <laughs> I bet every one of your friends from your childhood looks back on you now, even if they're not friends with you now, they're like, perv. we all, no, we <laughs> all, knew. it's like, he, he thinks yeah. he's straight acting. Everybody yeah, I knew. I know. I know. So I, yeah, the people that I would meet <laughs> online and stuff, I wouldn't, I know, uh, I don't think I would ever actively go out and try to like hook up because hooking up was not, I mean, I, I did hook up and I had my ways of hooking up in high school with with guys, but like, I didn't, I didn't really need that from online guys. That wasn't, that didn't yeah. seem like a, a logical next step it didn't in a weird for me way. either. I didn't yeah. do that. It didn't for me either. And now I, but I think back and like, you know, my boyfriend talked about like meeting guys on that on gay.com and meeting up with them in real life. And I'm like, wow, you, you were brave. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's the end. I don't know. I thought uh, you were going to say something. I, yeah. I, I did, but then I was like, man, eh, it might be a wait, good Wait, wait. How long did you, let me just ask you, Brent, how long did you wait in real life to you? I was going to say that I was always really, I was a slow adapter to hookup apps. And I, I always use them more for sort of like the porn <laughs> angle than anything. I remember going, right. I, met, I met one guy from Manhunt like once. Oh wow! And Did you ever use MySpace to? Because you used Facebook to, yes. to obviously concoct fake profiles of um, yes. what was her name? Laura Holscotter. Laura Holscotter. Yes, that uh, was my that was my fake <laughs> a woman I, alter ego. A redhead who you could only see photographed from far away, or wearing a mask, or <laughs> yeah, jacket, right. who that's would right. randomly ask guys for like dirty, filthy. <laughs> <cockpit stuff. laughs> I I do remember the first guy I ever met online, like I hooked up with from meeting mm. online. Like oh, I, tell, I tell. remember the experience because we actually like started dating for a very short while. Oh, wow! And Wait, I, tell Elliot he's getting a boner. Go ahead. Tell okay, him. here we go. Here we go. Uh, it was on. I forget what app it was on. It might have been on. Um, what was the one with the D? There was like a D in it. Uh, mm-hmm. D, D, uh, um, D listed or D. Ellie probably still has a profile D-list. on it, but yeah. D-list. Was that it? D list. Yeah. yeah. It was on that, I believe. And we met up and, and then we went back to his place to hook up and he, he wasn't nervous. He was just really bad at it. Like yeah. he was really bad at everything, you know? And I was like mm. super like- It sounds I, like me. I was like normal me, you know what I mean? I was like super confident, gung-ho, party, let's go, let's do mm. it, mm. yeah! And he was so reserved and I, I stuck with it though because I felt bad for him. And sure. then after like two weeks, I was like, I can't date someone because I feel bad for them. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, not, it's not a reason and so that- uh, can, I t- can I tell you one of, my, one of the few guys I met on Manhunt? Uh, we we had been chatting and we decided to go see a movie. We, we went to go see one of the Saws. Like, I think it was Ooh, Saw 4. I love those movies. And Ooh. it was one of those, you know, you know, classic, you know, we show up and I'm like, oh, fuck. This is not what I had sort of envisioned in my head. And we went to like an afternoon showing and there was literally no one in the theater. So we go to the back Oh, and he, we sit down and before I think the first like two minutes of the movie had passed, I could see a reflection of the movie off of his dick that he had oh. taken out. Oh, wow. And I was so not into him that I remember being like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. 
But the hard part was I had to convince him I was actually interested in seeing the movie Saw. So that was that wow. was the hard part. I had to be like, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I really want to see this guy's head get ripped off. I can't give you a blowjob. See, right I now. was I was actually thinking in that thing. I was like, wait, Brent is so cheap that he's not going to walk out of the movie. He's going to stay to see all of the fucking movie. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you know I'm right. What would your aunt say? Uh, Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard today? Elliot's next tattoo should say veer towards naive. (laughs) That's great. Um, My aunt Joanne would say, okay, so you you didn't do so well in these other apps, but how many times did I tell you to join (laughs) J-Date? J-Date. How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would also go in the online dating direction and say, you know, I do love a Yelp. I love a Yelp. And I really think that they should make a Yelp dating thing for all those commenters because they're so hateful, they would get along. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) I I would be into it. Uh, All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. And I am H. Allen Scott. (laughs) 